Hello folks. Last week we looked at some of the core elements of Husserl's phenomenological method. Natural attitude, bracketing, reduction and intentionality. The last concept, intentionality, was the one I said was of the most significance for Martin Heidegger. Intentionality? Husserl's idea that all consciousness is consciousness of something became for Heidegger an insight of the first importance. This was because Heidegger saw the worldliness of thought, consciousness, as of the utmost significance. What philosophy really needs to do is not to focus on subjects and objects, but to make sense of the human being's place in the world, or our being in the world. There is a reversal at stake here. In many ways, Heidegger's masterwork, Being and Time, is a 20th century reflection on Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics. Heidegger's interest is understanding philosophy in a practical sense rather than a purely theoretical one. Although this distinction is never clear-cut for reasons we will go into, Heidegger wants to understand what the human being is. And to do this, we need to tackle that question from the perspective of humans' practical everydayness. And this means we need to ask ourselves what he means by the term being. Part 1. The Question of Being Heidegger begins being in time by asking a question we all ask. What on earth does the word being mean? We all have a vague notion of the term, but if we were to, say, use our index finger to point it out, we would, I think, be a little bit stumped. Still, being is implied in everything we do. We look at the structure of our language. Every single sentence we use presupposes being. In fact, one could go so far as to say that language does not work without being. Think about it. Could you really have a sentence in the English language that does not utilise the word is? However, the question of being is vague and it is enigmatic. In one sense, being is everywhere and at the same time, nowhere. As Heidegger says in the opening pages of Being and Time, and I quote, it is said that being is the most universal and the emptiest of concepts. And this perplexing thought is where we need to begin. In some sense, our perplexity is conducive to thinking about being itself. As it means that by being confused about being, we are giving due attention to the question of being. However, this situation is exacerbated by unquestioning habits which we have accumulated in the course of our lives and indeed which the history of philosophy has consolidated. What is worse, we no longer take the question of being seriously at all. If we hear the word being, we shrug it off as if it is something flaky or irrelevant or maybe even a form of residual religious thinking. For Heidegger, this latter attitude is most odd, since the question of our own existence, our being, is always something for which we are concerned. To think existence does not matter is really, for Heidegger, a willful type of stupidity. After all, to be stupid, we need to exist first. The ostensibly blasé attitude towards the question of being is a real problem then for Heidegger. Why? Because the question of what it means to be is the fundamental questions all humans have to ask. It is really important we ask what the meaning of our existence might be. To casually disavow this question is to willfully obscure the conditions of our own existence. In addition, we have philosophically forgotten the question of being. 
philosophy itself has become a little bit divorced from reality. Being in time, the work then is thus a making explicit of that which has been forgotten, a revealing, a showing of that which is concealed. Here we can detect an echo of Husserl's influence on Heidegger. The question of being, once tackled with the necessary rigour and scruple, is the question which directs us back to the most basic conditions of life, that is, what it means to understand life as it is lived, or to put it another way, what it is like to be alive. The majority of being in time is taken up with this question of what it means to be alive and engaging in a concrete set of analysis which make explicit how Dasein is. Dasein is Heidegger's term for a form of existence, a very specific form indeed that is characteristic of human existence. Again though, is this not all very obvious? If we are just to describe how we exist, could we not just enumerate or describe the different properties or phenomena which happen to us? Enumeration and description, though, miss the point for Heidegger. This would be one place where Heidegger differs from analytic philosophy at the start of the 20th century. The suggestion that we can clarify existence by merely clarifying the propositions of language is insufficient, because that method requires a step back from the actual world into a theoretical attitude, an attitude that models the world not as it is in itself, but as structured according to pre-existing concepts. This philosophical disposition is not limited to 20th century analytic philosophy. It is evident in much of the history of Western philosophy, in sciences, in rationalism and empiricism, and in many of the paradigmatic thinkers of the history of philosophy, such as Kant, Descartes and Plato. What philosophy has done in a variety of different ways is the opposite of what it should be doing. By adopting theoretical attitudes, many traditional versions of philosophy inaugurate themselves by looking away, by stepping outside of what Heidegger takes to be fundamental, and that is understanding Dasein from the perspective of life. For example, if we take science, science is a rich subject, but it does not tend to bother with the question of being. Why would it? After all, we have already established that being is not something that one can observe, and science in the round concerns itself with the things that have observable objectivity that can be established through empirical testing of causal relations in the external world, or that can be grasped mathematically. Consequently, something like being, which does not fit the bill, is wholly unintelligible in the world of science, and one might even say rightly so. Instrumentally, what is the point of any being talk when it cannot be observed? That might well be so, but for Heidegger, the scientific attitude operates true in an unacknowledged presupposition. Science presupposes the question of being in order to get started. A scientist cannot very well observe something or set up an experiment or enumerate the properties of the external world without presupposing that those things exist. If a scientist questioned the existence of the matter they are concerned with, they could be then in a very untenable or even in an absurd uh, situation. So, in some sense it is necessary to suspend the question of being for science to proceed. However, what the philosopher can see is scientists take such a suspension of the question of being as the ground of all existence. And Heidegger thinks that things are a little bit deeper than that. The assumption being that all ways of being are reducible or like the scientific worldview. The attitude of the scientist is also in evidence in the philosopher. 
and Heidegger directs a similar criticism, as I've mentioned, with Kant, Descartes and Plato, and indeed the entire history of metaphysics up to Nietzsche. In another way, this attitude of the theoretician is also something evident in everyday thought. Our engagement with the world, our thinking, always takes place with preformed notions about this and that. We could even think of these as things like natural biases. The task of philosophy is to inject some uncertainty into these supposed objectivities in order to discern truthfully the question of being. This is perhaps a hard pill to swallow, as having biases about how the world is is inevitable. But what we must not do is allow these presumptions to reify into untruths masquerading as truth. In a way, Heidegger is a lot more forgiving of the human being in their attempt to understand the world than the scientist. Heidegger, following the ancient Greeks, has a tragic view of the world. Our engagement with the world is inherently precarious. What we think is always... What we think about being invariably recedes into the background as we grasp the sense of the specific phenomena to which our attention is directed towards. Whether that is in the very basic sense of cognitive focus or attention, or whether that is as a philosopher who has a model of how reality or subjectivity is, or the scientist embarking on a research project. The task of being in time, a work which is a phenomenological ontology from start to finish, is to reveal the horizon of being. It is to make explicit how being is presupposed in all philosophical reflections, as well as in terms of our average everydayness. Average everydayness becomes the condition of all thinking, which being in time attempts to make explicit. To accomplish this requires attending closely to existence itself, as well as identifying ways in which our view of how the understanding actually works have been shaped in advance by the history of philosophy. Even at our most contemporary, philosophy does not happen ex nihilo, it does not pop out of a vacuum. Philosophy, for Heidegger, is historically situated, historically determined. And thus to understand Dasein in a concrete phenomenological sense, we need to understand the historicality of Dasein. Part 2. The Ontological Difference Since being is, as we now understand, something inherently vague and enigmatic, it is not something that can be localised. Neither is it something that can be enumerated or subordinated within a table of classification. This is a really important point. Heidegger is resisting two impulses in the history of philosophy, what I call top-down or bottom-up explanatory dispositions. But top-down, I mean all explanations can be derived from a single substance. For example, God, the force, vital spirit, the one a single origin which causes all other things to be. By bottom-up, I refer to explanatory dispositions which reduce all explanation to constituent parts, for example, types of materialism, atomism, empiricism. Heidegger, and he's not particularly original on this point at least, thinks that in some way all philosophy starts in the middle, or in the midst of things. If we are in the midst of things then we can only find ourselves inherently in transition. And if we are inherently in transition, when we begin to try to understand anything at all, it follows that we cannot base our understanding on pre-established theoretical models. Here we can see Heidegger's antipathy towards what is X questions, or in other words, definitions, or definitional thinking. Since being is inherently indefinable, there are no higher-order concepts from which it can be derived. 
nor can it be broken down and defined in terms of its parts, and it cannot be defined through a difference from other concepts. These, after all, are the basic ways one go about defining things. This does not mean we cannot talk about being, though. It just means that we cannot define being in a certain way. But what do we mean when we say, in a certain way? In section 2 of Being in Time, Heidegger notes that being cannot be defined by appealing to higher concepts, in distinction from concepts of the same level, or not presented through lower concepts, or even through examples. The conclusion to this is not that being is undefinable, but it is neither a concept nor an entity that is a being. Heidegger's thought is that we cannot understand being as if it were a thing, and that is the one thing that formulating definitions tries to do, try to nail down a concept or an object to its essential properties. For Heidegger, being is not a thing. He's pretty explicit on this. And I quote, being can not indeed be conceived as an entity. End quote. This rather banal observation, or at least banal seemingly, is utterly profound for Heidegger. And this insight is present in all of the different modes of Dasein that we will illuminate throughout. Indeed, if we cannot grasp this, we cannot grasp what Heidegger is attempting to accomplish in being in time. This observation goes by the name of the ontological difference, the difference between being and beings or entities. An inability to define being can be considered a boon. The fact that one cannot easily address the question of being does not mean it has no philosophical import, nor even that such an insight can reveal something about how we truthfully inhabit the world. That being remains, and I quote Heidegger here, a priori an enigma actually tells us something about how we are and how we relate to the things of this world. In Heidegger's view, we always retain this implicit awareness of the difference between being and beings. Another way of putting this would be to say that we grasp the world between our acquired dispositions of making sense of ourselves, others and things, and concurrently the inherent sense of the sheer strangeness and incomprehensibility of the world as it occurs. One of the places, as we will see, where this incomprehensibility emerges is in fundamental moods like anxiety, where the gap between our self-understanding as things and our self-understanding as being becomes explicit. While we always exist and live with an implicit awareness of the difference between beings and being, this becomes explicit at certain points in our existence, for example, in contemplation of death or anxiety. Heidegger's account of the ontological difference is used to embark on a radical form of metaphysics. With Heidegger, metaphysics requires us to understand metaphysics, meta as in beyond and physica or physis, beings as a whole, as an investigation into how our understanding is always already more than any one particular way of understanding the world that we are immersed in. To understand being is to understand how we are con ported towards the world in which we are immersed. This is not to understand ourselves as things. Understand ourselves as things would be to objectify ourselves, that is to turn ourselves into things. The term comportment is also important here. Again we can hear Husserl's influence on Heidegger. Remember that intentionality, the idea that to be conscious is intrinsically conscious of something and therefore to be directed towards something in a certain way. In such comportment, there is already something like an understanding of being 
present. This is evident from the fact that we managed to get on with our lives without being seriously troubled by the possibility that the world does not exist or that it exists in some very different way. And yet, if pressed to explain this understanding, we find it challenging or cannot even do so in some instances. The task of phenomenological ontology then is to show, to make manifest the conditions of our own existence. And we do that by addressing the question of the meaning of being. Put as simply as I can, to reflect on the question of being is to engage with our life as lived, to understand life as a form of activities rather than from the perspective of theoretical neutrality or disinterest, a view which in turn demands that we reach into our involvements with the world from the prosaic to the most profound to make explicit the understanding of being that circulates deep within them. At this point, things are still somewhat opaque. We know that the question of being is obscured. We know that we have a vague and implicit sense of being and we know that our everyday dealings in the world, that being is a question for us, clarify how the structure of being becomes explicit, Heidegger sets out the structure of any inquiry. All inquiries have three basic elements. Praxis, poesis and theoria. So praxis is doing and acting. Poesis, making or producing. And theoria, contemplating. This is a fairly easy to understand structure. If I want to find out if, say, Manchester City won a game of soccer, my inquiry takes the form of doing something to find out about the results. Also, I need to make something, for example, the time to check out the object of interrogation by, say, listening to a radio show or going on a website. And I need to think this activity true from beginning and end in order to establish if Manchester City won. Now, suppose our inquiry is interrogating the question of being, then we must follow same logic, while being is still a vague term, Heidegger suggested any inquiry requires attitudes, or the aforementioned attitudes, working concurrently. In other words, being is intelligible in terms of doing, making, and uh, contemplating. Ultimately, for Heidegger, praxis, poesis, and theoria are modes of being inherent to the structure of existence, and in a Kantian way, they constitute the conditions of possibility of any comportment towards the world, i.e. theoretical, practical and productive comportment. What's important to grasp is that being in time no longer emphasises theoria as the primary focus of philosophical inquiry. Instead, the focus veers towards praxis or, or doing. By insisting that theoretical intuition does not have any privilege in the disclosure of being, Rather, through praxis, being is disclosed just as fully and originally, through our practical attitudes and even in our moods. Heidegger is distinguishing himself from much of the philosophical canon by doing this. Indeed, if anything, theoretical intuition is shown to be secondary and derivative. Thus, the inquiry into being is and must be concrete. Being is not ethereal and, most of all, is not some higher form of existence above and beyond this world. Rather, it is something like the how, or in the broadest possible sense, the what it means of the existence of any entity. But in being in time, the entity which Heidegger focuses on is, is Dasein, 
as a site through which being can be disclosed. As mentioned before, rather than call this being man, the self or the subject, Heidegger uses the term Dasein. This is a German word commonly used to denote existence, but literally it means being there or their being. It therefore suggests a certain situatedness as well as carrying an immediate ontological connotation. The formal structure of the inquiry of being thus becomes, like Husserl's account of horizon, a type of reflection of limits. Being sets the parameters of how and what we know, which in itself is how and what reality in all of the entities in it is. Dasein, human being there, as the locus of our investigation, brings with it a vague sense of the meaning of being. As Heidegger puts it, and I quote, everything we talk about, everything we have in view, everything towards which we comport ourselves in any way is being. What we are is being, and so is how we are. Put plainly, anything which Dasein says, does, or thinks about being is always already presupposed. This means there is a kind of circularity an interpretive circularity to the inquiry into being. However, rather than undermining the inquiry, this circularity leads to a distinctive structure because what the inquiry asks about, that is being, has a bearing on the inquiry itself as a mode of being of an entity, in this case Dasein. There will be thus what Heidegger calls emerging from the inquiry and I quote him here, a remarkable relatedness backward or forward. This movement backwards and forwards is Heidegger's way of determining what thinking is. Remember, thinking is not just or not only theoretical. That is, it's not purely an activity of neutral and detached contemplation. Rather, thinking is a form of inquiry which moves back and forward over where Dasein finds itself, where Dasein is and where Dasein is going towards. Put another way, how Dasein exists in the world, or famously, our being in the world. Any philosophical interrogation, therefore, cannot be lofty, floating, or premised on pointless speculation. It must be the most fundamental and concrete of all inquiries. Indeed, the investigation of Dasein precedes all other domains of inquiries. There is something distinctive therefore about human design and what makes us distinctive is precisely because we rather than other entities entertain the question of being as a question we are defined by an essential questionability or in other words design is the being that is self-interrogating or in high degrees design is and i quote ontically distinctive in that it is ontological now, what Heidegger is driving at with that is that humans are beings that have an essential contingency at their core. Being in time will tell the story of the implications of this contingency. But at this point, it is enough to note that the human being is inherently directed towards resolving the question of the meaning of being, are in, depending on who you listen to, more prosaic terms, the meaning of life itself. Part 4. Being and Time the inherent questionability of Dasein tells us a number of things about how Dasein is, in a way by revealing what it is not. So Dasein is not an aggregation of properties. Neither is it a thing which is endowed with life externally. 
Neither can we say that Dasein is an animal with the faculty of reason tacked on. What distinguishes Dasein, what it is, is that it is the being, or that being, for whom being is an issue for it. Dasein is concerned and cares for its own being. It is not only that Dasein cares whether it exists or not, one could say that too about most animals, nor is it simply that Dasein cares what happens to it, in the sense that it would rather be warm rather than cold, feel pleasure rather than pain. Dasein's being is an issue for it in three important senses. First, it is concerned with its possibilities, with what it can do, and thereby with its own future. Thus, if we asked what Dasein is, we could say it is its possibilities. It's modal nature, if you like. It's not just that Dasein wants to avoid danger and death in the present, but that it cares for its life as a whole. Secondly, Dasein is concerned with its pastness, how it is determined in terms of where Dasein comes from and where Dasein finds itself. One can go further and suggest that Dasein's future possibilities are its pastness. Dasein configures itself continually as prospectively retrospective. Finally, Dasein is intrinsically distracted, bothered, anxious by the fact that it exists, simply that it is in the world and that it cannot but confront and make resolutions and construct projects about this existence. In summary, what makes Dasein Dasein is its inherently philosophical traits, that it is concerned with how existence occurs. Heidegger's thought is that this question of existence can never really be understood except through existing itself. Now this makes sense because if we were to step back from the existing world, we are explaining it through a derived model and thus one that can only remain secondary. Uh, Again, this means that we can only understand the meaning of Dasein's being in terms of how it is a question to itself. This implies a type of contingency and contingency implies possibility. Thus, Dasein is for Heidegger distinguished by being a being for whom possibilities are an issue. As he puts it himself, and I quote, Dasein always understands itself in terms of its existence, in terms of possibility of itself, to be itself or not itself. Dasein has either chosen these possibilities itself or got itself into them or grown up in them already. End quote. As the form of existence of human being, Dasein is thus inherently provisional, testing itself, precarious. Until Dasein lives through those very possibilities, will it be able to make sense of itself? Because Dasein is concerned with possibilities, it is therefore concerned with its future. To be concerned with the future is also to take into consideration both past and present. The past, present and future are not intelligible in isolation, that is, without considering the other determinations. In short, this is to say that the meaning of being is a question of temporality. Dasein is a temporal being. The being of Dasein is time, hence the name of the book, Being and Time. By way of conclusion, what Heidegger calls temporality is the interplay of how Dasein irrevocably is constituted from defamiliarizing itself with the things it takes for granted in the world. Being and time will go into great detail 
to explain the different elements of this process of defamiliarization, the process where Dazan can stand outside of its immersion in the things of the world and grasps its being as a question. The philosophical task of being in time is to reveal how time is the fundamental question for the human being. This is a question that we forget. This is a question that we do not confront. And this is a question that we, quite frankly, run away from or flee in Heidegger's terms. In addition, we need to engage with the history of philosophy too in order to show where the question of human temporality has been concealed. It is crucial to understand the history of being in order to understand the meaning of being. And the philosophy, its history, philosophers have concealed the question of being as time. The objective now is to subject the history of philosophy to a conceptual tremor which loosens up our inquiry. This Heidegger calls the destruction. Destruction is not necessarily a negative process. Heidegger only means that we need to dismantle the history of philosophy in order to put it back together so as to recover access to the question of being. And that is not a causal story. History does not simply propel Dasein from one event to another. Instead, Heidegger is looking for something deeper. He wants to make explicit the historicity of Dasein. He is not talking about the reality of the past or the pastness of the past as a historian might think of it. Rather, he is talking about historicity as essential to the meaning of Dasein. Instead, the past already goes ahead of Dasein in the sense of opening up possibilities of being for Dasein. So Dasein is its past, and historicity is a constitutive element within the being of Dasein. Here we can see the beginning of the most important part of all being in time. Time is a form of ecstasis. That is, what humans are, what we are, is beings that exist between past, present and future concurrently. That is, as the way the past, the present and the future belong together to form the original unity of temporality. Rather than when following another sequentially, past, present and future are bound together for Heidegger in a single continuous unfolding. Dasein is his past, and his past historicizes out of his future from the present. Being is time.